Welcome to Moving Out of Trauma, a podcast made to support trauma survivors with actionable steps and resources so they can start moving out of trauma and into the life that they're craving. I'm the host, Candace Lederger, EMDR therapist, yoga teacher, first-time mom, and dog enthusiast. I am here in Phoenix, Arizona, and I am so excited about today's episode. But before we dive into today's episode of Moving Out of Trauma, I want to give you a few reminders. The first is that if you want to start practicing more mindfulness and incorporate more grounding skills in your daily life, but you've had some trouble getting started because of past trauma, I want to offer you a free trauma-informed beginner's guide to mindfulness workbook. I created this workbook with trauma in mind. You can get this free workbook as well as monthly updates about new content by heading over to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. You can sign up for our newsletter there and you will get this free workbook directly to your inbox that you can download as many times as you like and get updates when I update it as well. Again, that link is soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. And a second reminder I want to give is at the end of this recording and the end of every episode for that matter, we will be giving you two resources that we often use in EMDR therapy, which are the container exercise as well as the state change place. So these exercises are visualization exercises that can help you transition from maybe a state of thinking about past trauma, awareness, learning something new into a more calm, more centered way of being so you can go on throughout your day. I hope these resources help and I would love to know your thoughts. If you have been listening to this podcast and feeling like there is a certain topic or a certain professional that you might want to hear from, I invite you to voice that opinion. I am now looking into the next season of our podcast and developing an outline as to what I feel might be beneficial. However, the best way for me to do that is to know truly what's beneficial from the people that are listening. So I invite you to go to that same page, soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. And there you will find a poll that you can take to provide that voice. And you will receive a thank you email as well as be entered into a drawing to win a $50 Visa gift card. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and sharing your voice. I value all of your wisdom and all of your light. All right, let's dive into today's episode. So I have Frances Graham here on Moving Out of Trauma today, and she is a Qigong instructor, a published author, a vegan chef, and a sound healer. She has healed her five autoimmune diseases through energy, practice, and diet, and she works with others to heal and help their trauma and health issues and energetic body misalignments. So we are going to be talking today about Qigong and sound as a healing modality and getting into how that can help trauma survivors. Um, So thank you, Francis. Welcome for being on Moving Out of Trauma. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Candice. I am grateful to be here and uh, share with everyone my experience and then how they could get started in their own practice. Yes, I love it. I love it because I'm very interested in, in learning. I have seen and heard on the outskirts, I guess, about Qigong and sound healing. Being from a yoga training background, I've got a toe dip in some of those practices, but not really a full immersion. And so I just would love to hear more and and learn more. So yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So we'll get started with this quote that I really love that is knowing a person is like music. So what attracts us to them is their melody. And as we get to know them, we learn their lyrics. And so from there, I like to ask every provider on the show, just different questions about them and help us to get to know you. So the first one I have for you is why are you passionate about this work that you're doing? 
I think I'm the most passionate because after years and years of being bedridden and very ill, you feel, I guess the word is hopeless or you want to give up. And so sometimes I, you have to be uncomfortable to be comfortable and live life again. And mm. I think that's why I, I love Qigong so much because for the first year I was doing it, there are many times where I was very uncomfortable. And especially in the beginning, when I was watching the moves, I would just laugh at them and think they looked so silly and mm. just not get it. Then after months of practice, it was like my body was feeling very connected I was feeling like myself again. We lose ourselves when we go through trauma or health yeah. issues. And I found myself again. Hmm. Ah, that's so beautiful that you were able to reconnect with yourself again through this practice. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Cause you're right. I think many trauma survivors feel that way and that the trauma kind of strips us of the person that we are on this outer shell. And so coming home to ourselves is so important. Definitely. I never knew Um, how much I wasn't connected to myself. Mm. And then when I learned that, I was like, I don't ever want to go back to where I was ever again. (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. Mm. Um, How does your personality show up in the room as you're working with people through sound healing or Qigong or how, whatever modality it is that you're using? I think my personality being a, I'll bring astrology into it just for fun, but I'm a Pisces fish. So I like to adapt to everything around me. I very like to transmute energy and all that great stuff. So what I mean by that is I really have been in many people's shoes with the trauma, the illnesses, the stress, the anxiety, the depression, all these things. So I don't judge them. There's Mm -hmm. no judgment when you work with me because I see your soul by just looking in your eyes and feeling your energy body. And that's what I work with. If someone has got short temper or they're uh, maybe overly stressed or maybe not prioritizing things that are important in their life, like their Mm self-care. I love to bring in their own spiritual guides. I bring in their own higher self. I help them do fun, fun things to just get them out of their own kind of getting in the way of their selves mm-hmm. when I'm in the session with them. And I love how adaptable I can be. I will toot my own mm-hmm. horn and say I'm very adaptable to everyone's energy because of where I've been, where I am now. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you can stop me and say that we'll get to it later if we're going to get to it later. But I am curious about something you shared. You said, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember your exact words, but they're guides. They're different, like higher selves, they're healing guides. Can you share a bit about what that looks like and what that means? So I do have two different types of clients. About 80% of my clients are okay with the woohoo. What is the woohoo? The woohoo is getting the open mind and realizing things aren't just black and white. There are other things in the universe and the cosmos that come in and help us guardian angels, whatever you may want to attach it to. Mm -hmm. And then 20% of my clients are science backed. They really don't want to dig into the woohoo. What I love about Qigong and sound is they're both science backed Mm -hmm. modalities, which means there's tons of studies proven the efficacy and treatment of your symptoms to put you into a a method of complete healthy or healing. Mm -hmm. That's when I say spirit guides, if you're the woohoo client, the spirit guides are basically, they're all around you. They can um, change for you, but we all have animal spirit guides. We have healing spirit guides, motivational guides, health guides. And what I do is I do a mantra and affirmations in the beginning of the practice. And then I can feel them all around you. And most people can feel them around them and healing them as we work together. And from what I understand, then it's so like a guided meditation, like guiding someone to access a different part of themselves. Is that kind of what I'm understanding? Yes. Now that's only in my tuning fork sound sessions, which we introduced instruments and tuning forks because they are in a meditative state because of the sound that's around them. All they're doing is laying there and receiving, but then when they add the Qigong modality to it, Mm. they're moving energy out of their body. Mm. And then that's allowing them to connect with their third eye or their lower belly energy, which is more of your gut instincts or your intuition kind of being able to actually work where it was stagnant before. Okay. So really moving through this, the stuck stuff that even often comes with trauma, that trauma stays stuck in the body. And we know that from a lot of research that's been done. And so it sounds like being able to move some of that energy really helps them tap into the positive. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. And also helps them to positive or uh, tap into the higher self, which means something that's always been there, but you can't always access it because mm-hmm. stressors get in the way and block it just yeah. from everyday life. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay. What is the top thing you wish everyone would know about the world of healing, the work that you do? I would have them keep an open mind and realize that it takes a village. So not one modality is going to help them get through whatever they're trying to get through. It's going to take multiple things till they find their sweet spot of self-care. That's what I wish they would understand is just keep an open mind because even I, who know many modalities and researched many and have many certifications, I always come across things like at least two to three times a year that I've never heard of. And I learn about them. And then all of a sudden I'm helping an aspect of me that needs healed Mm. just by having an open mind. Yeah, absolutely. I love that because yeah, I think you're right. We, sometimes I think we get like tunnel vision of, Mm -hmm. okay, this one thing helped me when I needed help. How many ever years ago I needed help and allowing yourself to be open to the different paths of healing because at different parts of your life, you might need different things or at one part of your life, you may need several different things. It's just finding again, that sweet spot and finding what's, what is your nervous system and what do you need right now? That's correct. I was actually just left my acupuncturist today. Nice. He reminded me that our, and this actually has to do with the patterns of life. Okay. We have seven chakras, seven days of the week. We also have seven life cycles that are critical in the beginning of our lives. So we all change every seven years. Oh, so okay. I'm glad that you mentioned that we change because we have to really accommodate yeah. those changes because we're not the same person. We really do. Yeah, absolutely. I, Seven years ago, I know I was not the same person <laughs> that I am today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive into, we've already been touching on it, but this topic of Qigong and sound and as a healing modality. And so first, before I get into the specific questions, I want to ask you, what do you want to share about this with people that maybe don't know anything about it or just completely newbies and just want to understand what is this thing and, and how could it potentially help me? I love that you said that because Qigong spelled Q-I-G-O-N-G is a foreign word to so many people. It was to me. And that's why I put it off for three or four years because I didn't even know what it was. So I was like, what is, I don't know what it is. Okay. My brain doesn't want to focus here. Move on to the next thing. So Qigong is the best way I like to describe it to people who have no clue what it is, is moving meditation. So I know everyone has heard this or maybe said it themselves. I cannot meditate. Hmm. All right. So heard it many times. (laughs) If you are the, one of those people, like I was moving meditation Mm. is your trick to getting it going Mm. because you're able to move things through your body and uh, control the overthinking brain. It calm enough to where you can connect and meditate it takes you, even the most difficult cases, it's only taken them six months with Qigong to get into mm. full meditation. That's so uh, six to 12 months is usually the time period people are in my programs. And they, I've worked with so many difficult, easy, challenging, it doesn't matter what kind of client. And they always tell me, I never thought I could meditate, but now I can. Hmm. I love that. And I can completely relate to that because for me, yoga was that piece that I found that movement in the meditation because I I could not sit still long enough. My brain was not willing to let me sit still long enough to actually be able to sink into it. And so the movement allowed me enough control to, oh, okay, I can breathe through this. I can do this. I just to dictate it a little bit. And so I could definitely relate to that. Yeah. And with my Qigong practices, I'm unlike any Qigong practitioner in the world. I actually incorporate Tai Chi, yoga, vagus nerve reset, which helps your sympathetic nervous system and all kinds of different Pilates and other movements within the Qigong practice. So everybody's getting a rounded energy practice. Interesting. So what does like a typical, I guess that would be what a typical session might look like with those practices involved? Only on my longer ones, but the other practices are always customized to the person. So I do a program where we meet once uh, virtually every three weeks and they get a day one through five that they rotate their practices for three Mm. weeks. 
there's a 10 minute video they do every day. And sometimes they incorporate like trauma informed yoga, Tai Chi within those. So they're getting all the modalities, but using Qigong as the main modality in their mm -hmm. practice. Very cool. And it's only 10 minutes a day. So it's a bite size. If they can do it. Right. And as they graduate, let's say six months down the road, I try to get them to do 20 minutes a day, but we never yeah. want to spit something out that we're trying to practice regularly to make it overwhelming. So we don't achieve it or yeah. actually start it. So this yeah. is an easy way to begin the program by uh, keeping it in a small period. So they're getting a little taste of it until they build up. Yeah, absolutely. And you said that you do longer sessions too. So if that's like a, a, a bite-sized like daily portion, what does a longer session look like? Yeah. So I offer actually a couple classes a week. I do a 8 a.m. live stream every Monday morning and it's eight to nine. So it's a full hour practice for those who really want to get their week started. Great. And that can be replayed. So if they can't attend the live stream, they'll get a recording on that. And then I also have another free by donation only Thursday night evening Qigong. That's for only 30 minutes from 830 to nine. And that's Arizona time. And they can watch that recording if they're in a different state. It's very good for putting people to sleep and giving them a very restful sleep with the overthinking shutdown and the meditative state, because half of that is moves for sleep and half of it is a guided meditation. Was there anything else that you wanted to share specifically related to if somebody's a new beginner person looking into this modality that some information or anything else that you would want to share with that person? Yes. Yeah, so what the beauty of Qigong and how we can, there, there's probably thousands more moves in Qigong than any other mm -hmm. practice, even more than yoga or any of them, uh, because of how long it's been around. It's in both mm -hmm. an ancient practice and a modern day practice. So mm -hmm. this has been proven um, through many years and it, it does encourage longevity. Mm -hmm. So you will see people ages 18 to 95 practicing Qigong. And these people who have been practicing it for a long time, they have a lot of youth, not only in their skin mm -hmm. and their looks, but in the mobility of their joints and their muscles and their connective tissue in their body. Mm. So it really helps the entire, like the nervous system, the muscular, the joints, the, everything. Yes. And the quality of life is so much more enhanced when you're doing this practice, because even when you're going through the worst times of your life, it could be grief. It could be money issues. It could be just constant stress. You're not feeling that as a blow to your body. You're handling the emotions mm. very, um, a healthy in a healthy way. And then you're all of a sudden you feel calm, even through the storm. It reminds, so, so in EMDR, I often use like the, like a, a story or whatever to, oh gosh, my words, what is the word? Illustration. Illustration. Okay. Thank you. I was like, yeah. it just left. It's okay. I, um, I it just completely all left. <laughs> Um, yeah. So like the illustration that when trauma happens, it often doesn't get digested in the way that like when we eat a meal, if our bodies can't digest something funky, like normally it can push it out and do what it needs to do. But sometimes it just gets in there and it, it just makes us feel. And so what you just reminded me right there is the opposite of that is that when we're able to allow that stuff to move through us and to really allow and process the emotions, but also the situations, we're not held back by the situations. We're able to let them move through us and to go. That's correct. That's correct. And EMDR is, we use techniques from that. We do a lot of body tapping, mantras, yeah. mudras, things that humming, humming is another sound thing. I incorporate in my Qigong, unlike a lot of other Qigong instructors, which are wonderful. I just incorporate sound as a big component of it because when we make healing sounds from our organs, we can really heal a lot of ailments. Mm, yeah. So tell me a little bit about what qigong actually is like what does the practice of it look like because i have it in my head as to what i've seen and i went to one class one time so i know a itty bitty bit about so just tell me a little bit what does this actually look like or mean for our, our listeners i'm happy to share that and another thing is your first session with me virtually i go through mm -hmm. slides and i describe um very like elementary easy way of thinking about the different components of why qigong works so well and why it's mm. going to be applied as a practice to each person so what it starts out with is we start our practice out with stretching of our meridians so those are the channels that connect okay. to all of our organs in our body yeah. after we stretch we do purging 
So this is more for a day practice. Evening practice is a little different, but I'll give you a basic day practice. So purging means we're tapping, okay. we're doing super certain um, rapid movements to move things out so we can allow new energy in. We also do accumulating and strengthening. So there's ways for you to strengthen your physical body, but at the same time, accumulate energy and store them where you can use them for later. The, the best thing I like to describe is we take energy in through our kidneys mm -hmm. and it moves in a circular microcosmic orbit all over our head and stores in our lower dantian or the lower okay. belly. Most okay. people use their energy opposite. So they're always losing all this energy and they don't have any energy to use for later. Let's hence the four o'clock slump where they're all like, oh my gosh, give me a couch. I can't do this anymore. They're so tired. It's because they used all their energy up and didn't store it for the day and use it evenly through the day. Okay. So you said, what was the first part? The first part was you're going to take energy through in through the kidneys. No, but you said one thing before the purging. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we've got stretching, stretching yeah. and purging. Yeah. Stretching and then purging. Okay. Plating and strengthening. Oh, accumulating. is Okay. And strengthening. And then the next one that is very important is the meditative state. Okay. And the way we do that is through a flow of movements. So one, okay. I'll show you really quick, a quick yeah. movement. You gather to the side, you hold it up to your crown, and then you push the energy slowly down. And you can do that from three to nine times. And that's a basic Qigong move. What that does is it takes all the heat from the upper body you ever heard of hot headed, somebody react yeah. hot headed? It's because we're not supposed to have heat up there. So you're going to push that heat down to the lower belly. That's where we're supposed to have our heat mm. and our passion and our root chakra. Interesting. And which is where we're losing all of our energy because we're expelling it so quickly. Yes, you got it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So through all of those different steps and all of those different pieces have the movement involved. Is that what I'm understanding? Uh, yes. So the movement is very important. And so does the flow, just like in yoga. Okay. Yeah. But the great thing about Qigong in, that's different from yoga is you're doing it in such a sequence that it works every time it's, and it's not stressful on your body. Like yoga can be for some people. Now it's not yeah. that way for all people. I know it's, I still practice yoga. So I think it's wonderful modality, but it is so much more accessible to people yeah. of all types. It doesn't matter if they're healthy, unhealthy. I don't care if they're elderly and they can't get up and walk. We can do seated yoga with them. We can do seated Qigong with them. Yeah, that's really cool because the movements that I remember seeing in that class, it, it was very accessible. It wasn't, I didn't feel like I had just ran a mile. It, just, <laughs> it didn't feel like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm, I am ready for Shavasana. Let's just lay here, <laughs> right? It was, it was restful. It was restoring. It was, and somehow I still had some amount of energy there. It wasn't like I just was ready for a nap. So it was an interesting sort of dynamic, but I like that those movements are very accessible. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So how long does it take for one? I guess I, I want to answer or ask this question in like a two, twofold, right? Yes. I am curious, like if someone is coming in with a lot of trauma, like complex childhood trauma, um, unhealthy relationships, toxic stuff throughout their life. If they're coming in with that type of place where their body is there and they want to bring their body and mind back. They want to feel at balance. How long does somebody work with you in that capacity? How long do you feel like it takes for them to start to notice a shift? Okay. I think that's so individual. I've had people turn it around in three months and then some people take two years. We're like an onion. We peel back the yeah. layers and those layers are pulled back in the time that our soul retrieves it and processes it. Yeah. And so that's what I tell everyone. And the best thing to do with as a practice or life as a journey mm. is to slow down and live in the present moment. Yeah. And when we're having anxiety, depression, we're living in that trauma. Mm -hmm. We are not doing that. So retraining the brain, the heart, mm. the body, the mind, the soul to do that is a process that doesn't have a time limit. Yeah. And once you figure that out and move into the, my favorite frequency of acceptance, mm then we can't be depressed or sad or anxious because we accept where we are and we move forward and we live for right now. Mm, yeah. So being able to accept the current moment and even if it feels 
frustrating or stressful to be in that moment, but to also know like it doesn't have to always be there. Like it does, that moment isn't the forever moment. <laughs> there is movement and there is hope and there is something different that can be experienced in acceptance. Absolutely. And I always counsel my wonderful clients that I will hold space for them, be patient with them because they will be sad. They will cry. They will cough. They will sneeze. They will go into the bathroom several times, releasing whatever's going on. It's so okay. And laughing is even okay. All these are releases. And if they may have three or four weeks or maybe seven weeks, eight weeks where they're going through real tumultuous feelings, but that is coming out of their chakras, coming out of their body. And it's nothing but positive towards growth with them. Yeah. It's it's them being able to release the things that they have been holding or that their body has been holding. So that way they can make room for the the new and room for the healing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I know that was my piece of, I wanted to specifically approach that from a trauma uh, survivor lens, but I know you wanted to touch on that question of how long does it take to bring your body and mind and spirit back into balance? Yes. I think we answered that just now by saying there's no time limit. However, I will say many of my clients, and I can tell you a couple of quick stories because I think it's going to relate to other people's process of healing. I had, and I'm hope she's going to watch this because she actually has her own podcast. I don't want her to see this one. I had a client, we were actually doing a podcast about the Qigong and now she's doing the Qigong and she noticed she hadn't been able to lose weight for a long time, but it was just the movement of moving her body in a different way. And she saw lost weight. She lost weight that she hadn't lost in 15 years. Um, It was like an automatic 10 pounds. And that's not something I'm guaranteeing with this practice. I'm saying you will see it no matter what, because I did. I had a lot of metabolism issues and I'm at my goal weight now. So that was a very fun thing. Being at your goal weight doesn't have to do with the weight. It has to do with being able to shed all that heaviness in your body. So you can live and you can journey and you can exercise and you can just, you know, enjoy life for the fullest. Another um, client of mine, I'm thinking of, yeah, one in particular recovering addict was doing this practice with me for two years. She still has her struggles, but she's a completely different person, got out of a bad relationship, has restart her life and nothing was working for her before, but this is like a lifelong problem that she turned around. It was her with her good intentions and sticking to the practice, no matter how hard it was, Mm. she's been seeing these amazing results and that it just makes my job worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it, it brings like a definite light into the room. Like when you're seeing somebody going through such difficulty, but also being able to power through that and to find what they need in the practice to, to find that hope and healing. Yes, definitely. And something that kind of stuck out to me. I, it almost sounds like it is a form of stability for the people that you're seeing or for the people that choose to, to, to stick through it in a stable way. And so often like we pick up practices and we put them down or we whatever, but it sounds like being able to do this in those bite-sized kind of pieces to be able to move the body, be able to move the energy allows people to find that stability, to find a little bit more of home in themselves every time. Right. And a big thing I want to stress with talking about the Qigong practice is the fact that we all disassociate. We leave our body. We do not connect to what's going on physically. It's not just like the mental and emotional and depression, those kinds of things. It actually starts in the physical body. And what I have been doing from years of chronic pain and very serious illnesses, I actually was told I had five to 10 years to live in 2013, just made my 10 year mark. So I wasn't, thank you so much. I wasn't just having just regular autoimmune issues. Like these are serious, very rare diseases that I was diagnosed with prior, just knowing that this process is, it can be slow. It can be rapid just to be patient with yourself during the whole process. Yeah. I really like that patience piece just because as you said, like there, there is no, that there is no one specific timeline. There's no one size fits all. And so being patient with the process, but also being patient with themselves. I think at least in my experience, a lot of 
trauma survivors I've worked with take it on as, gosh, what's wrong with me? I'm not getting any, I'm not getting any better. I'm not seeing the results that I want is really like the one I hear the most often is I'm still getting better, but it's not what I want right away, or it's not what I thought it would be, but just learning to take a breath and to notice, notice the things that have happened, notice the changes that have occurred, notice the differences that are here now that maybe weren't here three weeks ago or three months ago or three years ago to be able to appreciate the change in the growth because it is a process. Yes. And I love that you brought that up because I think what makes it different when I work with clients and just because I found the sweet spot of working with people is incorporating that sound in there to pick up the slack. Okay. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is when you're just doing a practice by yourself, you can have these really long periods of not feeling like anything's changing or improving. It's not always psychological. It can actually be really physical, like what I had been talking about before. So the what, how we do that is there's a, a human biofield around our body where we're picking up on other people's energy that could be dark or not positive. And we're picking up on that and that's going into aura. We're picking up on viruses that come out and that's in our aura, even if we don't have the virus. All those things are around our human biofield. I take the sound, I clear it out of there. So when you're practicing your Qigong, you don't have as many hardships on you energetically and you're only working on your own energy and not so much everyone else's energy. It's like you you can take time to only clear out your own stuff instead of fielding through the other stuff and then your stuff. Sound helps greatly with that. That was the one missing component I didn't have when I was first practicing Qigong. And once I found the sound, it has always stayed in my life ever since. Nice. And so when you're doing sessions with someone, I know you went through those different phases. Do you do sound virtually? Does that work in the same capacity? I don't know. Actually, only um, requirement of being in my program is that you come locally here. I make it easy for you to have your session, but we talk about the logistics, but I locally requires people to do their sound healing session with me once every eight weeks. That's what okay. stabilizes them in the whole program. Okay. Gotcha. And then if they live in another state, I have a wonderful news for them. I know practitioners all over the world and I'll intuitively pick a practitioner that can do a sound healing on them in person. Very cool. Although I can do remote healing sessions via the internet and with sound too, the best ones are when people could be in their field physically and clear that out. Yeah. I was just thinking, cause I know things sound differently through earbuds versus right. in, in person. And so that's what I was thinking. I was like, wow, that, how would that sound? And what would that be like? So we can do both because really Our energy fields are so powerful. People just don't realize how powerful they are. Mm -hmm. So that's why us as healers can remotely give healing to others because we've gone through the Qigong practice that has made us highly psychic. And we've gone through other practices that have made us very healed in a way where we can heal others remotely. Very cool. Okay. Um, trying to think what other questions I might have for you. Are there other things that you want to share? I know we've we've really only dipped toes into this whole world because I know you said like you could talk for many hours on this topic and and I know I could probably ask you a million more questions, but I want to make sure I'm sensitive to your time and and all those pieces. So what other pieces do you want to make sure to share with the listeners? I think diet is a large component of your healing. So, And when I say diet, I do not mean any fad diet or certain way of eating, even though I am vegan and that's been good for me. I just recommend that people eat more intuitively where they're noticing how they feel after they eat things and they're not eating too much food and they're not, and they're eating enough food. It goes both ways. Yep. And I am a vegan chef for a living. I work that very part-time now that I published my first cookbook. I'd like to give a plug of the cookbook. It's surprise exclamation point. It's vegan. And, no um, way. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. It's vegan. I love so that. Basically it's a fun book with QR codes, with cooking videos of myself. I've been in the culinary industry for 20 years. I was able, once I started practicing Qigong to realize I needed to change my diet to heal. We were taught in culinary, st- culinary school to eat very rich, creamy foods and things that are like deep fried. And once I got out of that, my energy body actually started feeling much better. So that book is very helpful for people who just want to try more plants. I love that. I will definitely look that up because I'm always looking for different ways to try more plants. Yeah. Uh, I am curious with that because obviously the piece about 
what we eat impacts how we feel and that whole digestion analogy that we talked about earlier, right? But how does that play out in our energy, like our actual energy in our body? What is, I know what that feels like, but I guess from a practitioner's perspective, what does that look like? What does that mean? I can walk you through a very brief um, description of me adding intuitive eating onto somebody's sage. So we do that pretty frequently because people request it. I don't really need to offer it because people are transforming and they're asking for these things. How can I eat better? Because I'm noticing now that I'm connected to my physical body. I'm not feeling so good after I ate too much sugar, or I'm feeling very tired after eating too many carbs or, oh, I ate this big salad of spring greens and now I feel rejuvenated. I never knew how important it was until I started eating so many vegetables that I crave them now. And I never craved vegetables before. Yeah. Yeah. And the way I do that is by being very easy with it. I don't do fat diets. I have people be patient with themselves. I literally give them two or three things to change every day about their eating habits. That's it. There's no diets. So if you do that slowly over time, you can get Mm -hmm. be as far as your diet, but changing it overnight never works. And I never encourage that. Yeah. That definitely reminds me of the fad diets. <laughs> yes. 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 No, not about that. Intuitive eating is different. Yeah. Once you figure out how to do intuitive eating, you will never digress from that. Hmm. I love that. Cause it, it reminds me of, again, coming home to what you really need for yourself because you're intuitively tapping into, okay, this is what my body needs. This is what my body is craving versus what we do a lot of the times in our culture is just what's the fastest. What can I make sure I get right now? So that way I can go on to my next appointment or X, Y, and Z. And so really intuitively tapping into our needs. And intuitive eating has to do with these two things that I highlight with people. The first one is emotional eating is okay when it's done in a healthy way. Mm. So we all are from different cultures. So that what you ever notice, there's all these events where these food and food, it's all about the food, right? Yeah, of course. Instead of taking that as the motivation for all of our life, use it as a small aspect of our life that we enjoy Mm -hmm. and don't use it as an emotional way to soothe ourselves. Food is meant Mm -hmm. for nourishment and to help our body be fueled. It's not really meant for the main purpose of emotionally soothing ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I teach that. And then the second thing I teach is that food with color livens your life. Oh, I love that. That makes me so happy. It does. When you see the purples and the pinks and the oranges and the reds <laughs> and the greens. Those are the colors we should be yeah. eating. If you look on your plate and beige, only beige, you probably shouldn't eat it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I do. I love that. I love the colorful plate. That's beautiful. Yes. Perfect. I definitely want to give links to, I'll provide your email and actually I'll ask you again at the end of the recording. just So I have the class times in the show notes too, as well as your cookbook. And I love that you have QR codes to little cook videos too, because I feel like that's a, that's a unique thing that, that not a lot of people do that. And that you need some guidance sometimes to be able to try something new. So I like that you provide that. And all the recipes are like 80% comfort food. I'm from the Midwest, even though I live in Arizona. So everything was meat and potatoes growing up. So I know how to make things taste really good and comforting in a healthy way. I love it. I love it. We are going to take a quick, and then we will be right back. I wanted to take a quick pause to share with you a few resources. So if you are looking for ways to find more grounding and more mindfulness in your daily life and with real actionable steps, I've developed a workbook that will walk you through developing this skill. It comes from a trauma-informed lens. So if you've tried mindfulness before and you felt like it was more triggering than useful, you could have been actively dealing with a trauma response. So this workbook is designed for trauma survivors. And more than that, it gives you actionable steps and it's packed with information. So whether your schedule looks like a stay-at-home caregiver, whether you're someone who works a nine-to-five or something else entirely, there's something in this workbook for you. So you can head over to soulmission-emgrtherapy.com slash podcast. You can subscribe for our newsletter where you'll get reminders once a month about new content and an email with that free workbook. Again, that link is soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast, and you can find that link in the show notes. If you are enjoying this episode, and I truly hope that you are, if you think that it might be useful for someone else, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast 
platform or on podchaser.com because that is the best way to get the word out about this podcast. And lastly, if you'd like to work with me and you live in either Arizona or Florida, I now have openings for EMDR intensive sessions. These are sessions that are longer than your standard 50-minute therapy session and can really help you reach a place of grounding and healing from past trauma quicker than the standard talk therapy session once per week. So if you'd like to find out more about this, I invite you to set up a free 15-minute consultation where we can chat about if this type of work is right for you. Uh, It is also a great accompaniment for if you are already working with a therapist and you're having a hard time breaking through some kind of block or trauma response or trauma trigger. You can go to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash contact, which will be in the show notes. All right, let's get back to today's episode. We are back with Francis Graham, our Qigong instructor and published author, vegan chef and sound healer. And we want to touch on a couple more pieces before we dive into providers aren't robots. And one of those pieces being how the breath work that you do, what you do, how you use that breath work with the Qigong and how that helps in the healing of the nervous system. Okay. First of all, I just want to make sure and establish the fact that I am not a breathwork practitioner. However, I have been taught through my certifications in Qigong how to do short practices of breathwork incorporated with the Qigong. It's a main aspect of Qigong. As we're moving in and out of the flow, we're doing certain breaths. We're inhaling on our way up. We're exhaling on our way down and with the movements on each side of our body. Okay. And then we're also doing that in our meditations to regulate our nervous system. We're doing rapid breathing and short bursts to start a day to invigorate our, what's called a chi, our vital life force. That's part of Qigong. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure everyone knows that if you want to learn the ABCs of breathwork before taking breathwork courses that I highly recommend doing from a expert, this is a great way to introduce yourself to that modality as well. Very cool. So what are some of the shifts that you've noticed within somebody's nervous system as they're going through these different types of breathing practices? So I've noticed, especially with my clients with extreme anxiety, we're not talking about just regular anxiety. We're like talking about over the top that every single anxiety um, episode that they have after doing this breath work with the Qigong, it lessens, like it lessens by 10% every episode to where they're only having anxiety 10% of the time. And I, when they have those anxiety attacks, I give them breath work and other regulating Qigong movements to get them out of that as quickly as possible. So they're able to manage the rest of their life, even if they've had anxiety all their life. Because I I know tapping into the breath is such a powerful thing, really just to be able to center ourselves, to be able to calm. But in the midst of those anxiety, those panic attacks, like that can be something that can be so healing. And to have those tools already ingrained in a place where you're not experiencing anxiety currently can really also be such a, a powerful shift. That's so great. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And then I know we wanted to also touch on your referral program. So can you share a little bit about what that is? Yes. So basically I do not have advertising dollars because of how many people love this program. They refer it to others. And when they do that, I like to show my gratitude. So if they get two people that book a session with me, fully booked session after that fully booked session, they get 50% off their session. And that's for the sound healing portion of it. So it makes it an incredibly affordable program that they will find nowhere else Be it because I made this program affordable. So people would be doing it consistently because unless you do something consistently, you'll see results temporarily, but then it's going to go off to where you were. Yeah. yeah. Can you share? So share what your program is. I know you shared that you offer the virtual piece and how that works, but can you share like how many people you take, how often, what the price range looks like, what those type of pieces? Yeah, I currently only have seven openings for my Qigong program. It's pretty full, but I do like to funnel people in and out as they're leaving. So in that program, like I said before, they would meet virtually with me for one hour every three weeks, and they would get a practice after we meet going from day one to day five on their videos and they rotate those days. And then when 
we meet again, what we do is we tap into their energy body. We figure out what's going on. We have, we maybe talk about what they're experiencing in their life. It's a little bit of a counseling session, but in that counseling session, what we're doing is we're setting up them to um, succeed in their practice according to what's going on in their life. And then we also, I offer those two additional classes for them to take on top of the videos, which is the Monday live stream, 8am to 9am and the Thursday night, 830 to nine for the good sleep. And then the only thing they're required to do is see me every single eight weeks for the tuning for healing session, which is one hour in person. And that's okay. I'm going to give hold space for um, Candace right now. She is having a little bit of coffee and get some water in you. <laughs> I know how that can be. I have some electrolytes so here. <laughs> yeah. So sorry. It's okay. I'm coming off of the cold and that sore throat is just lingering. It's just not going away yet. I understand. That means you're getting better. You're releasing. That's right. It's releasing. It's going away. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So then shifting into the next section of this show as providers aren't robots. And this section of the show is really just an example of showing our humanness. And I, I noticed the reason that I wanted this section of the show involved in um, every episode is because I noticed a lot of people felt hesitant going to providers at first, just feeling like, but someone new, it's somebody that I don't know. And there's like this power differential sometimes between like providers and clients. And I wanted to break that down a little bit because we're people too. <laughs> and as evidenced by my coughing fit five seconds ago, we are people. And so in this section, I, I just want to see if you have an example of how you show up as fully you, the person that you are in fact, not a robot and just an example of your humanness. Okay. So yeah, I'm a heavily flawed person and I'm embracing <laughs> my flaws more as I age here every day. I accept certain aspects of who I am. And I love that when my clients do that too, because we, we, when we're working together and there's not judgment there, we can be like, I take male, both male and female clients, but we can be in a space that's so safe. Mm-hmm. We could feel like it's our tribe and that someone is really understanding us. That's what being in the healing world is all about is we're part of our soul contract here is to help others mm-hmm. and to uplift them and to convince them that they are the best. It's like my goal and mission in life. So that's how I do it in like maybe a non-robotic form is I treat everyone differently. And also every once in a while, this doesn't happen too often, but every once in a while, I'll find that this person should be with someone else as their practitioner and I'll send them off to someone else. Or I think that maybe they need other services, which I have tons of people as far as wellness experts and coaches that I can send them to so we can amplify the healing for them. Mm. I love that. So it's not specifically, this is the one thing that you need, but let's really find out what you need and really digging into that person. That's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And if you, so the trauma tip of the week, if there is something that you wish every trauma survivor would just have this in the back of their brain or this knowledge that you would want to give to any single person that would listen, what do you feel like it would be? Do not underestimate the power of connecting to the earth. Hmm. And the reason why I say that is part of uh, when I stopped being bedridden and I was able to move my body and I just had all this freedom to actually move again after my sickness and trauma layers were shedding. I began a hiking journey for three straight years, hiking all over. And as I was doing that, I was noticing there were ways that my body was connecting with the earth, with my feet, like standing on grass, standing on earth. And they recommend us doing that 13 minutes a day for the best benefits. And that's my favorite trauma tip because people do not underestimate the power of standing in front of your apartment complex in the grass. It doesn't, I don't care where you are, just stand there for 13 minutes and put your hand up to the sun and your receiving side of your body, which would be your left hand. And hold that in the sun's rays and download that the half the 13 minutes that you're standing there on the earth. And that in itself will help you with your trauma the most. Is there a reason that it's 13? They're saying that you can go over 13. That's just, you need at least that amount of time to get the full magnetic earth benefits to your body because our whole body is made up of 70% water, Mm -hmm. but we're also 
full of an electromagnetic field, which is the same as the earth. So if we're never charging on the electromagnetic field that we're born on, it causes a lot of deficiencies, both in vitamins and in our chi or our vital life force. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then the last section of the show is our final fast, sometimes funny questions. And again, this is just to tone in on the humanness of everyone. Um, And so if you could go anywhere on this earth, where would it be? I think that was a, it's a great question. Um, I have so many places. I'm going to say where I'm feeling it right now has to do with um, a memory I've had of some kind of past life or something. I really know what it was, but I did have a memory of being in the redwoods. And so that's my next goal to go in there. And I want to stand inside one of those big redwoods and just feel that the history and the, that, uh, connect to nature feeling of that redwood. That's lovely. You'll have to tell me about it when you do, cause I haven't been I there yet. And that's one of that's on my list. I haven't gone either. Oh, you should go <laughs> it's on my list. Should pineapple be on pizza? I love it on pizza. I love it on everything, but those who don't like it, it's because they just don't want it there. So don't put it on, put something you like on there. <laughs> I right? like it. I like it. I was curious of your, cause I asked that question regardless, but since you're a chef, what mm-hmm. your opinion would be. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We like that on our pizza at our house. That's what we do. But others are like, what? I don't like that. Well, no then- shame either way. <laughs> hey, do your thing. <laughs> do your thing. That's right what makes you feel inspired or motivated to do this work that you love? I think I touched on that earlier. It's about, it's like my life isn't complete unless I'm helping others, supporting others, but that does not mean I have to be a people pleaser. I think there's a difference between those two things and learning that difference and then just helping others because I want to, not because I have to, Mm -hmm. has really improved the quality of my life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love Mm -hmm. that. What is one thing people are generally surprised to find out about you? They're usually surprised to find out where I came from. I actually came from a big family, was raised in a cult religion, was excommunicated from that religion and just had so weird upbringing. But I also think that when we have weird or challenging upbringings, that kind of creates a very unique personality and a very warrior type of personality. So that's what... You wouldn't necessarily know that by meeting me, but when you get to know me, you'll realize how, how much of a warrior I am. So I love encouraging other people to bring out that warrior in them. Yeah, I love that because then you can sync up with those other warriors and and really align with them and, and bring that out in them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What does a simple moment of pure joy look like for you? I love tapping into those moments all the time when I'm sharing the heart space with someone and I'm moving that Tibetan bowl in my heart space and into their heart space. What I'm doing is I'm tapping into the most joyful, happy moments of my life so I can bring that love energy into their space. And one of my most loving energies and of joy is uh, holding my children when they are born and looking in their eyes as they're in my arms. Or when you get that first puppy who's so playful that he just makes you happy all day. Those are two good moments, but I'm sure everyone can access their own joyful moments as well. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you again, Francis, for coming on our podcast today and just sharing with us your knowledge and your wisdom and just all the different pieces that you did. I am going to link in the show notes, your class times, your cookbook, and your email and your Instagram that you provided. So make sure to look out for those in the show notes and reach out to Frances if you have any further questions and want to learn more about what she does. Thank you, Candice. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today on Moving Out of Trauma. If you'd like today's episode and you think it might be useful for someone else, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform or on podchaser.com. And if you have any questions at all, I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can find me over on Instagram at soulmission underscore EMDR therapy or on Facebook at soulmission EMDR therapy. If you'd please stay tuned for the visualization exercises coming up next to transition to the next part of your day. And remember, you did not choose trauma and you can choose your path towards healing. This is moving out of trauma. So I just want to invite you to find a comfortable position and to make sure that you're doing this exercise somewhere uh, safe 
somewhere where you feel that you can take a few moments for yourself and definitely not while you're driving. We're going to start with the container activity and then move into the calm seat place. So it's good to have a secure place where you can store memories and issues and, and things that may need still some work, but also maybe you don't need to focus on them right at this point. So if you think about it almost like cleaning up the files on your desktop computer, so you can just feel a little bit less overwhelmed and focus a little bit more efficiently. The files are in a safe place. And you can access them the next time that you need to. So to start creating this container, I'd like you to imagine some kind of container or storage system that can securely hold as much as you need it to for as long as you need it to until you're ready to work on it again. So this container can be something you imagine. It could be something that's real. We just wanna make sure that this container has a lid, or some type of secure closure. So that way there's a way to take things out only when you want to. Now it's important to note, we don't wanna put people in containers, but we can put memories and feelings and any kind of situations. So take a moment and really think about what that container might look like. Notice how the container feels. Notice how it feels that it's there for you, should you choose to use it or when you choose to use it. And now if you need to use that container, I want you to picture allowing whatever needs to go in there to take its place in there. This can happen slowly. This can happen quickly. However it needs to happen, it's okay. Just allow the pieces, the memories, the thoughts, the feelings, the situation, whatever it is, to just slowly take its place into that container. Now, once you feel like the things that need to be in the container are in there, I want you to close that container. Some people like to imagine that there's a lock there or some kind of secured closure beyond just a, a lid. So if you like, you can go ahead and lock that. And then just imagine it taking its place back into wherever it needs to be. So this could be a place that you think of in your home. This could be an imaginary place, wherever it is some place that we know that it's there when we need it. And now we're going to transition to that calm state change place. So this is a really good activity to develop a couple of ways to feel more calm and secure without really needing to rely on something or someone external than us. So one way we can do this to create this type of place that you can visit internally whenever you want, like having an instant mini vacation on demand. So see if you can think of a place where you might feel a sense of calm or a sense of well-being. You can imagine a place that's similar to one that you've experienced or heard about read about. It's best not to use a specific memory with people though from your own history. So some people like to think of the beach or the woods, mountains, maybe someplace they feel cozy. So just notice this place. Notice what you hear. Notice what you smell. Look around. What do you see? What do you feel? Maybe either the temperature, the time of day. 
even down to how you feel in your body as you imagine yourself in this place. Really just allowing yourself to soak up every single positive part of this place. The way it looks, the things that you hear, the things that you smell, things that you might be able to touch, any textures or temperatures, and really encapsulating what you feel in your body as you're in this place, as long as it feels good and calm and a place of centeredness. knowing that this place is always available to you because it is within you. It's a place of your very own making. A place that you can return anytime you need. Whether it's for quick deep breaths, returning the center, or maybe even winding down for the evening. This place is always here for you. this recording is going to finish but if you'd like to stay in this place a while longer you're certainly more than welcome to do and I hope that you'll join me next time on moving out of trauma